I want to give you advance warning on this episode. We do discuss adult topics about sex trafficking. So just in case you're listening to this podcast with children around, um, just know that we are diving into that topic. Welcome to the Sign Out Podcast. I love my job because I'm interacting with people and encouraging them and telling them you can actually make a change. They're older women, probably in their 60s plus, and they bake cookies and then they go to the strip club once a week. There's brothels all over the city of Houston, and a lot of them are five, ten minutes from our school campus. And I, I just was like, well, let's go. Hello, everyone. This is Daniel Thornton, co-founder of the Sign Out brand. Here we talk with folks who are pursuing their passion, chasing their dreams, and creating cool stories. And today, we have a very special guest. We have Sam Hernandez, who is the mobilization director of Elijah Rising. And as you follow this brand, you will hear a lot about Elijah Rising because we have decided to dedicate 10% of our proceeds from the sale of our shirts and stickers and goods to this organization because we just feel it's making a huge impact in the Houston community, but it's bringing awareness to many people um, all over the United States about human trafficking and sex trafficking and what's going on with that. But let me just start with a quick story as to how I came about learning about Elijah Rising, and I think it's an interesting story worth sharing. Um, Up until recently, I commuted into Houston from the west side of town every day on the same toll road, and I would do this interchange onto the freeway. And as I was on this overpass, I'd always look over, and on the feeder road, I would see the same buildings all the time. And two of those buildings were day spas, which are fronts for sex trafficking. And one day, I noticed that the sign changed on a building. And it took me a few days of driving by, because I'm driving, to actually read it and figure out what it said. But the name Elijah Rising appeared on this building. So this changed from Angela's Day Spa to, or Angel's Day Spa, to Elijah Rising. And I just thought that was really intriguing. So I went and looked that up on the internet. And then I find out about, oh, this is a, a, a organization whose mission is to end sex trafficking in Houston. And I was like, how cool is that, that what used to be a quote-unquote day spa is now people on the ground trying to just bring better lives to these women. You know, and then I started this brand, and I wanted to figure out how this could all tie together. So that's how we decided who we were going to partner with when we started this brand. We had a mission of making sure we were going to support someone, and we thought, what better than somebody who's really on the ground? So I'm so excited today to have Sam here um, to let her... You know, just we're just going to talk about the story of who this organization is, what they're doing, um, things to look out for. But uh, Sam is the mobilization director for Elijah Rising. And Sam, welcome today. Hey, thanks for having me. And thanks for coming to the office. This is nice. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. So let's just first talk about your specific role here. And um, and then we'll also talk about Elijah Rising's kind of vision how y'all get involved in the community. That's a lot of things. I mean, I've already done the van tour, which yes, was really yes. cool, which is you know another outreach thing. But let's just kind of start going through that. Yeah, so my role here is um, it's kind of a new role. <laughs> I, I'm the mobilization director. Um, so basically what my job is is to take, take the things that I've learned, take the years that I've spent doing outreach and working with um, survivors of sex trafficking and engaging volunteers, engaging community partners to mobilize them into doing 
doing something into our system, into a way that we can start relationship and collaborate to help end sex trafficking. Um, I've been here for five, um, over five years. Uh, April was my fifth year of being wow. here. Yeah. And um, I came along right after our now executive director, Micah Bailey, and um, I've done interventions where I'm on the street working with the ladies and going to the brothels that are, you know, posing as day spas. And, um, in that created a lot of protocol for Elijah rising on how to do that safely, how to do that effectively, which we're always still growing and changing. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's, it's, I love my job cause I'm interacting with people and encouraging them and telling them you can actually make a change, whether it is you have a business that you want to help fund Elijah rising, or if it's, you have, you're hospitable and you want to use your gifts. I have a group of ladies out in the North, um, East side who they just bake cookies and then they go to strip They're They're older women, probably in their sixties plus, and they bake cookies and then they go to the strip club once a week with all these cookies and they're known there. And it's absolutely incredible. But I mean, I got the started because I heard about sex trafficking in probably uh, 2008 um, via Love 146. I saw a video about them about um, sex tra- child sex trafficking in like Swai Pok in Cam- Cambodia, which you think that's where it happens, right? right. That's where sex trafficking Not happens. Not in my backyard. Not in my backyard. And then I was at HBU and I find out a friend of mine actually took a van tour before I even knew what a van tour was. And she tells me there's brothels all over the city of Houston. And a lot of them are five, 10 minutes from our school campus. And I, I just was like, well, let's go. Like, of course, like, let's go. If that's where they are, let's go. So me and a friend twice a week after work, we just went to brothels all the time. I didn't join an organization yet. And, and so with that, that I found Elijah Rising, decided that I couldn't do any other job because it just, I couldn't, I was, I taught first grade for three months <laughs> and I would rather deal with organized crime than with, <laughs> than um, with little kids, than with, well, actually it was then with private school parents with right. lots of pressure and you know I and I wasn't very good at it I didn't turn in paperwork on time because it was like I have a person who's you know being trafficked she's addicted to crack her two-year-old was taken from her I spent all night with her and I didn't turn in my you know first grade students papers back to their parents with a red you know check on it and I get in trouble and I'm like I don't care that's not what I, you know and so <laughs> I realized it wasn't for me and I think my the school realized that it wasn't for me and I came on to Elijah Rising full-time I've been here ever since. So that is awesome. That is awesome. But even in that, though, you have done a lot of different things now that you've gotten here. Mm -hmm. Let's take a step back, though, um, and talk about Elijah Rising. Like, what the the website's pretty obvious as you know, our mission is to end sex trafficking through prayer, awareness, intervention, and restoration. Yes. But what does that look like for a small organization on? a major highway in the middle of all this in Houston. Yeah, it's crazy because we are a very small organization, probably about seven staff members, a couple interns uh, during the summer. And what we do is is pretty vast because we're mostly run by volunteers. So we do prayer. We do prayer meetings. Um, That's very important to us. That's where we started. We just started as a group of people that pray together. Awareness. We do van tours where we drive people around and show them where sex trafficking is happening, how it happens, and what they can do about it. We've taken probably close to 9,000 people on our van, on our one 15 passenger van <laughs> that is probably going to fall apart one day. That's a lot. But yeah, and, that's a lot of people. And my partner, Russ, and I went probably about six weeks ago on a van tour uh-huh. that you led. And what's amazing is we didn't go very far from where y'all are. Nope. We were just miles around this 
and you see more than you ever want to see. And Houston is yeah. massive. And so this was just barely scratching the surface as to what's going on. And it's crazy because we do tours like that all over the city. We do them in Houston proper in the Galleria area. We do them in spring. We do one in Cyprus and in Katy as well as in the Ship Channel East End. Um, and there's now one that we're putting together in Clear Lake. So these are not just in the you know outskirts and the back alleys. This is like proper suburbs and city like urban areas and so it's it's crazy so we do the van tours we also have a museum that me and micah did together micah did all of the research and all of the um kind of developing of the words and the history of the museum and i just designed it um and that was a passion project we did in 2014 we're still really proud of it um that's kind of all of our awareness pieces of course we speak at places and we share things but our interventions we do um three times a month about to be four times a month maybe even five we do nights where we invite everyone and anyone to come and go out to the sex industry and where we find most sex trafficked individuals and we give them resources, we give them hope, we give them you know, smiling faces and just letting them know that we're here for them. And it used to be a theory, like maybe if we go to these places, women will get rescued from sex trafficking. Now it's a formula and it happens. We go out, we probably reach a couple hundred women a month and anywhere from like five to 10 a month that we've reached out to then use those resources and get out of the life That's and awesome. get away from their trafficker. And so it's, it's a tried and true method that we're improving to grow even more and more. So we're really excited about our interventions. That's something that is really special about Elijah Rising. There isn't a lot of intervention with um, organizations in the city of Houston. And then our newest um, piece, I'm actually wearing Elijah Rising shirt today that has prayer awareness intervention and doesn't have this on because this is within the past couple years is restoration. We purchased a 84 acre farm out in nowhere texas like wharton is in town for us <laughs> rosenberg is like in town which for those us. are very small towns yes. on the outskirt of houston <laughs> yeah they're very small towns and so um we purchased a farm in the middle of nowhere about an hour outside of houston it's 84 acres and it used to be an old college campus and we're turning it into a restoration home for survivors of sex trafficking we purchased that about three years ago and we've just been renovating this old, decrepit, crazy property. And um, I lived out there for two and a half years with my husband and our dog amongst the snakes and the coyotes and all. It's It was a crazy experience, but we're trying to turn this abandoned place into a beautiful haven. And we're, it's really coming along and we're really excited about it. We're about to open one of the biggest homes on the property for six survivors um, by the end of the summer, early fall. So you are able to get not only... <laughs> get women off the street, but I mean, provide them a safe place for yes. them and their family yes. to come to and get back on their feet. Talk a little bit about that, that it's not just, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a process of getting them off the it's street. It's a very long process. And so even between the street and us, there's even emergency assessment, figuring out where they are, because you think, okay, here's a person and what problems do they have <laughs> and what do they need? With sex trafficking, it could be physical, it could be mental, it could be psychological, it could be chemical, uh, physiological, it, all these different things that they have a chasm of need based on their trauma, based on um, what types of trauma, the physical abuse, the mental abuse, the um, 
the drug abuse that has happened to them. And so we first, we send them to Rescue Houston. So Rescue Houston is the number that they call. They assess them and then we get referrals through them. And then we have this, this property that will be a 15 month to two year program where they're able to go from, okay, just surviving to thriving, learning life skills, um, living. Um, we have taken women and their children. When we open up the new house, it's just going to be for single women. And then eventually we'll have children again. Um, just because of we're figuring out all the different licensing and regulations, but right. um, they'll be able to get life skills, figure out what schools they want to go to. They'll work with us in our social enterprise, which is the KendaltonFarms.com. We sell candles, we sell leather goods, all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, don't gloss over that. That's an important yeah, piece. Yeah, it's I mean, a that, big piece. I mean, talk about that just a little bit about yeah. how that's because that's funding. I mean, that's that's funding some of this. Yeah, this whole organization. And if anyone's listening there who needs Christmas gifts, we do amazing. We're doing amazing gift baskets and stuff for you know. Um, if you have corporate vendors or customers that you want to give gifts to. Um, so yeah, I created this brand for Kendleton Farms that was things that survivors could easily learn how to make. And it would teach them. Now, every people, I think people see it and they go, well, how is them learning how to make a candle going to be good in the job? job world. Okay. I get that. <laughs> They're not going to make candles forever, but they will work on a team. They will have a boss. They will, they will deal with inventories. They will deal with vendors, right? Writing. There's a skill set there. Learning. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, um, emailing people, um, working with deliveries, taking and and what we found is that a boss structure can be very triggering to when you are in an abusive relationship with a pimp or a trafficker. So we kind of bring light to this is a healthy boss. I'm a healthy boss. Like I care about you. And yes, I have expectations of you, but punishment or it, there's not punishment, there's consequences for actions and just retraining on some of those things that were really distorted within, you know, them being trafficked. And so it's a huge piece of Kendleton Farms. And while they're with us, they make cash, they make money in their pocket that goes into their bank account. And we want to do different incentives for them to save money for them to, when they look for their new job. And so it's a really, it's a really cool project. And that's why my previous title was social enterprise director, because that was the main focus of what I was doing. Right. And I purchased the tobacco cedar, tobacco cedar candle. Excellent candle. Uh-huh. I highly recommend that. Yeah, and just because, you know, sex trafficking, a lot of people think is like a women's thing. Like, women do it, and like, all of the, and this is no shade no, no shade to anything. I'm just saying, I've seen a lot of brands that sell stuff made by survivors, and it's all like cupcake, lavender, rose, this. And so I made sure to make stuff that's neutral. It's not, nothing's pink. It's all very, and so we have like honey bourbon candles. We have our um, tobacco cedar, which is really popular, cactus flower, prickly pear. And I must say that I think our candles are some of the best that are out there, but I'm biased. So that's, you can be, you can be biased. That's, that's, that's good. I'm very proud. And the ladies are super proud of what they make and they're very anal about making sure that everything's perfect the way that they pour their soaps and they make handmade soaps too. And we just released a coffee soap, which contains trace amounts of caffeine because it uses a cup of coffee, coffee, butter, coffee grounds, and coffee beans in every bar. And this is all at Kendleton farms. Mm-hmm. Com.com. Kendaltonfarms.com is the enterprise. Kendaltonfarms.org is the program, but either sites will get you to either site. So, and you can actually link off our site, signoutco.com, to get Mm -hmm. back to Elijah Rising, get Mm -hmm. to Kendleton Farms. And we're really partnering together. Yeah. So, when you think about sex trafficking in Houston, I mean, we live in the fourth largest city, it's huge. Yes. Um, And so, you now you you realize it's everywhere. But 
it's still a hidden problem. It's still hidden to a lot of people. Like, yes. like I know it because I've done some research, dug in, I've met mm-hmm. you, I've come here, I've seen right. the museum, but you can still go up to people and they have no idea that those mm-hmm. retail establishments in their part of the city are yeah. really not. Or even good. in their office park. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and so people just don't know. And and there's a couple reasons why people either don't know about sex trafficking or highly minimize the problem. And still, there's people who are like, oh, it doesn't happen in this neighborhood. It doesn't happen in this neighborhood. Um, and usually the people who say that have nicer neighborhoods. And I'm and think about it as a business. You know, if I if my main client is a wealthy, and this is a true statistic, if my main client is a male, upper middle class, married, um, with extra money, you know, Katie's a great place to have a brothel. Uh, spring is a great place to have a brothel. Memorial's a great place to have a brothel. So these places are there. And then, um, and what we see is that people in their minds separate, well, are they trafficked or are they just prostitutes or are they trafficked or no, that's just a strip club. And what we found in data is that most of our sex trafficked clients that come through our program have been in legal strip clubs, have been in what appears to be willing prostitution, but actually because their traffickers were using coercion by, you know, making them feel like they had to do it to survive. And, and, and it, so all the lines that we thought were there are completely blurred. What we found is a lot of these women will get in a relationship with someone, they'll fall in love with them, and then they slowly get them to make one compromise after another, after another, after another, to get them to make money for them sex trafficking. And then they find out, this isn't just my boyfriend, he has 20 other girls like me who've been through the same process. Um, and it's it's the most interesting thing ever. And the best way that I can explain it, it's kind of gruesome, but it's, it makes sense, um, is we remember Charlie Manson, right? Um, he was one of the most known serial killer cult leaders of all time. And he, I remember, I didn't know his whole story until I listened to a podcast about it on a cult's podcast, which I decided to not listen to anymore because it was too much. Right. <laughs> but it was really interesting. Is and, and I thought that he committed all these murders, but in fact, he found a bunch of young, vulnerable women and men in the, you know, I think it was the 70s or 60s or 70s to commit all these murders for him. Right. And they weren't like sniped from a far away. They were gruesome murders with like knives and to, and I mean, it was terrible. With I won't get into detail, but um, one thing I learned about his life is how did he learn how to control people like that? Well, he was a very disturbed child, but he ended up going to jail where he met pimps sex traffickers, people who exploited women to make them sell themselves for sex. And he listened to their tactics and learned how to take women and treat them in a way where they were, where they were garbage, they would never be good enough, and that he was the only thing that would fulfill their need to be loved. And then he would use that to make them do these. So if, if this one guy <laughs> can convince these women amidst the like hippie movement of free love and peace in this right. to believe him and then murder people, then those same tactics in a different way are being used on women to sell them. And I'm doing quotation marks here. I always do that when I do podcasts on accident. That's okay. Our quotation selling themselves for sex and they're being completely abused and um, it's very violent. So we have to just look at, you know, where do we find sex trafficked individuals? 
everywhere we find sexual exploitation, commercial sexual exploitation. So we have to kind of change the way that we think about the good old, the gentleman's club. Right. Irony, right? Right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Most people, that's not their choice. Or maybe they made that choice and it's gotten them way further deeper than they ever thought and then they're stuck. And what do we always learn about consent? Because you say yes once doesn't mean that you have to say yes forever. Right. So because someone made a mistake doesn't mean that we have to look at them like, well, they got into that once. And so just because they're being forced now or, you know, and I, I, one of the largest strip clubs in the city of Houston, it's called Treasures. It's on our van tour. It's owned by the Davari brothers. Um, and I mean, it's, they raise money to help end sex trafficking. They probably give a few hundred grand a year to the human trafficking task force. Um, they are a place that's known for sex trafficking. They're a place that's known for drug, tra- drug trafficking, aggravated assault, all kinds of stuff happens there. But it's still seen as this like, oh, it's just a good old strip club. And a lot of celebrities have been there. Um, and one of, um, we heard a story from a young lady who said the first time she went to work there, First time, she had her keys taken by the doorman who said, I have to valet your car. She said, that doesn't make any sense. I don't have any money. He said, don't worry about it. As soon as she walked in the club, she was approached by a pimp, and she was told if she didn't work for him that then they would find other girls to beat her up and, like, hurt her. She started getting afraid. So she says, you know what? I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to leave. And the doorman holds her keys ransom until she performs forced sex acts with him. So she was she was completely threatened, abused, violated, and then raped just walking into her first day at the strip club. Wow. <laughs> so these places are not what it's And I think, you know, we're we're talking a lot about Houston because that's where we're located. Uh-huh. But this is every city in every town in America. Absolutely. And we work with organizations, you know, the past, this past year, I've spent a lot of time in DC. Um, we have some good friends up in Oregon. I mean, grants past Oregon, like, you know, small places like this, but then California, all over the United States is happening. We do trainings in Tulsa, um, in other other states, we have someone from Seattle reaching out to us, and we're seeing the same themes of exploiting vulnerable, um, mostly women. Young boys do get trafficked too, um, but mostly we're seeing women. Um, but in the city of Houston, it's it's crazy. And the reason it's specifically in Houston a really big problem, number one is obviously population. There's a lot of population. Yes. We're a big, 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 big city. Very cult- culturally diverse city as Very well. Very culturally diverse. It's not weird to see you know a group of you know, any ethnicity really walking around. Nothing seems shocking to us as far as um, diversity. And then we have two of the largest, and this is not an anti-male thing. It's just that male, it's data proves that males are the buyers. That's just what right. it is. Um, it's not my prejudice. <laughs> right. But um, we have two of the largest male-dominated workforces, um, medical industry and, of course, big oil and gas. Everyone you meet in Houston works for oil and gas, basically. <laughs> and um, then other than that, we also there's also this interesting... We're in the Bible Belt. So we either have... It feels like you're either left, far left, or far right. Um, a lot of people are... Um, you know, they grow up in really, really religious homes and maybe have a shame mentality about the way that they see sex. And so that when they have an issue, they don't feel comfortable talking about it. So as a Christian organization, we like to talk to people about like, hey, talk to your children about sex before the sex industry does. Because either you're going to get to tell the narrative or pornography is. And pornography tells a lot of funny things about 
<laughs> what healthy sexual relationship looks like. And, and it's access to children. There oh, is yeah. no filter these days if you're not vigilant on yeah. figuring out how to control that from your kid's perspective. The fact that any kid has a phone, they have access to things that when we were growing up were unimaginable. Hardcore, graphic pornography. I actually wrote a, bo- a blog about what kind of porn are kids looking at? When kids are first exposed to porn, what kind of porn are they looking at? And I think there's some of us that think it's you know a picture of a boob or something like, no, it's rape, gang rape, bestiality, um, forced, I mean, all kinds of insane things. So those are first experiences that are writing, you know, our brains create pathways of, of when we experience something, we put connotations towards things. Those are the first experiences with, with any type of sex or intimacy that they're seeing. And then you expect them to learn how to have a healthy relationship with the opposite gender. Um, not going to happen. Right. And and also we have to understand that it's it's not kids just in a Safari browser. Every single application that has the ability to connect to another phone, predators are putting graphic content. There was an app um, called Annie, Animo or something like that um, that was for kids to talk about their favorite like kids things like TV shows, movies, books, uh, you know, anime stuff. And then, but within that, so it was chat rooms to talk about it. But then all of a sudden they have these role-playing chat rooms and it gets very graphic very quickly. Right. Um, and I think that, that, I mean, I think we just cover that to say that there's so many avenues that get people down that either they're becoming a buyer of this yes. through past experiences and it's led them all the way down there. And it's so easy today yeah. for those people to slip into that role. Uh-huh. And there's the role of the person who's been abused and then falls into the person who's supplying yeah. um, and they don't see the escape. And mm-hmm. there's so many ways. And one thing that really hit me was we like to think sometimes this is for a poor person that got trapped and got in a bad situation, a woman, and then they've gotten trafficked. But the reality is, is on my Facebook feed, just due to some things that I follow, these are upper middle class girls who are living in the suburbs, uh-huh. going to high school, yeah. who you have no idea would ever disappear, and they are walking away with a trafficker yep. because they've been groomed. Yeah, Talk about that, because y'all, y'all, yeah. y'all see that more. I mean, We you- see it, and every time you know people ask this, you know, talk about this, I, I always think of the quote from, I believe it was a Lutheran minister during the um, Nazi regime when he says, you know, uh, when they came for the Jews, I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. When they came for the free tradesmen, I didn't speak out because I wasn't a free tradesman. When they came for me, there was no one left to speak up. And um, it did, I believe it did start with the more vulnerable population in the minorities and um, urban inner cities. And no one seemed to care and it, in other, you know, immigrants, things like that. And then now even more and more and more, it's, it's come for in, in the mainstream. We have girls from, you know, all suburbs <laughs> being groomed through social media um, and being trafficked. The thing we have to understand about trafficking has nothing to do with social economic class. It has, it has to do with vulnerability. Right. Being trafficked is being exploited through your vulnerability. That's the easiest way to grab hold of someone, to groom them, to traffic them. And so and that can be an emotional vulnerability. It can be, you know, my parents are really tough on me because they want me to get scholarships and I feel trapped. 
Does that mean their parents are bad parents? No, it means that the kid has a normal life, you know? And someone online, you know, made me feel adventurous and feel free and perfect the way that I am. I trusted them because we talked in a chat room. He said to come meet me. I was really bad one day. They exploit and capitalize on that one time that they're fed up. They put wedges in between their parents. They say, oh, you know, if my parents talk to me like that, I would not deal with that if you ever need a place to stay. And it's a process. They go, I mean, they spend time with these, I call them, I mean, they're children. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these aren't even 18 yet. Oh, yeah. And they spend time with them and just build that relationship and all of a sudden the trust. They invest. They invest because right. they know that when the time comes, they'll have them right where they want them. And they can do this with a bunch of different girls at the same time. Um, and it, it's just interesting because it's like they can do this with so many, so many people at the same time. And and they take a long, long time to do it over a process. I remember actually doing um, an intervention with a um, a parent out in a suburb. You know, beautiful young, blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl uh, met someone online, and the narrative that that this this woman it was actually another woman she was recruiting for her pimp because that's very common because it's less threatening right um was like hey i heard you know you, you babysit and that's great but i'd love to get you into something where you're worshiped where you're idolized and my daddy he takes care of me and you know she had already given her drugs and you know said hey come smoke with us come hang out and i always tell teenagers like i'm sure parents don't like to even think about their kids ever doing this. I'm like, if someone gives you weed for free, like don't just assume that they're just a nice person. Like if someone wants to give you drugs for free, don't assume that, you know, there's nothing, everything has strings attached and they might turn that favor around on you. So, um, and this person, um, was being groomed and she didn't realize her phone was connected to her iPad. So her text messages were showing up on her iPad and her parents were reading them. Um, and so we were able to sit down and say, hey, this person is a known recruiter for one of the worst pimps and traffickers in the city. And she still denied it because she was embarrassed. You know, right. she people are embarrassed. They don't want to feel like, you know, that they, they got caught or that they... They've been duped. They've and, been duped. Yeah. And, and so... But it's important for young people just to know that it, it happens. It absolutely happens. And any vulnerability is something that, you know, and, and pimps don't have to go to malls and bus stops anymore. I mean, I think they still do, but online is the easiest way to go. And so we do see it happen all the time. What are ways that people can directly support what you are doing? Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of ways that we try to make it as easy as possible. Yeah, whether you're local or if you're out of state and you just think this is cool what they're doing in Houston. Yeah, there we are our social enterprise that I told you about kendletonfarms.com. We ship all over the nation. Um, and so if you want to support us by purchasing from Kendleton Farms, that's a huge, huge gift to us. And, and we ship out usually um, twice a week, so everything moves really quickly. Um, if you want to be a... a a donor or a supporter, a partner of Elijah Rising, um, you just go to elijahrising.org slash donate. And we always are looking for monthly donors. And we try to give all monthly donors extra information, letting them know ahead of time what's going on. So they feel like they're really plugged into what's happening in Elijah Rising. Um, but if you're local and you want to get involved, we invite you. If you actually go to elijahrising.org, you'll see a button that says volunteer. And there's an actual hub, an online hub that you can make an account with and see all the different 
different opportunities to volunteer um, and sign up for even volunteer jobs. Like you can say, hey, I want to learn how to be a van tour facilitator. You click it, you fill out an application, and we just get you in the pipeline. Um, you can actually come to interventions. It requires no training. We set you up with teams who've been trained. Um, so you're well, and we even if you're not a Christian, you're welcome to come. Like we open that up to everybody. Everybody has their own way to help end sex trafficking. And so I totally invite you just get on your computer, get on your phone and just browse our website, browse our volunteer hub, um, browse kind of the, the programs that we do and see if something really reaches out to you. And especially if you have a professional skill, everything from you're a doctor or I don't know, you're a commercial septic tank operator. <laughs> You know, we have because an, the farm has one. We have an 84 acre farm, and so you know, there we're always looking for people who say, "I'm a, especially contractors, um, suppliers, things like that." So please, and and of course, my email is so easy: Sam at elijahrising.org. You can just ask me, "Hey, how do I get involved?" And I'll ha- right. I'll be happy to go through that with you too. And on the on the intervention stuff, we didn't hit as much on that. Let's just talk about that real quick before we wrap up, because I think when I hear that, that can be kind of scary. Like, oh, y'all go out. And you're doing this. So just give a little bit like yeah. to, to kind of prep people. Like, what does that really look like? <laughs> um, yeah, it does sound intimidating. It really isn't. I mean, it is intimidating, but it, we've never had any security issues. The way that we go out, we don't go out and be like, hey, we're here to stop all you traffickers, take all your women. <laughs> we um, kind of at the most get looked at as annoying to some of the traffickers sometimes because we're just knocking on their door. Um, so when we go out to the street, like we take a hidden phone number that's hidden on a gift. So we always bring, try to bring gifts to the ladies and just say, Hey, we're and our, we never say Elijah rising cause it's not necessary. We don't need them to look us up. We have all of our volunteers say that we're from the church or we're from the neighborhood. And we just want to let you know that we're here. And then quietly making sure no one can hear us. We say, Here's a phone number hidden on this bar on this thing. I won't say it, but hidden here. And if you ever need help, you can call this phone number. Um, and then, yeah, we just build trust by going back. We go into the brothels. We take food. If it's a brothel um, that's trafficking Asian women, maybe who are Mandarin speaking, we take things that are important to them culturally. So we always bring red bags because that means good luck. We bring mandarins. We bring moon pies during the moon festival. We bring certain things. for, And, and so it really is just like dropping off gifts and being kind to strangers right. and letting them know these are the resources. And then slowly we build relationships and you'll see that sometimes you'll, you will have the more intense relation, um, I mean, conversation about, man, I really want to get out of this. And you can encourage them and just say, and we don't use rescue terms like, hey, I'm going to help you. I'm going to save you. We use empowerment terms like we believe that you can do this. If you call us, we'll be for here for you while you choose because everything their pimp has done has been control. So we don't want to be controlling or pressuring. We want to be empowering right. and encouraging. Right. And we have people of all walks of life come on these interventions and do well. Even men, we have men going in there and, you know, with other men, with other women, you know, talking to these ladies. And it's so cool for them to say, you don't want anything from me. You're looking at me in the eyes. And it's incredibly impactful. So we, it, it sounds intimidating, but don't in your, if you ever want to come to our intervention, you don't have to participate. You're welcome to do kind of like a ride along. Um, and it's really, really fun and exciting. And it's just, you get to do something real. Right. So I think um, just speaking to the audience, you can see why for the brand that we started, you know, this is a type of organization that we want to support. 
that is really on the ground, um, putting the work and the effort in to try to change people's lives, um, bring awareness to what's going on in the communities. I live in a community where you wouldn't think that this was going on. And yeah. sure enough, one of the very nice spas right down the street from me has already been busted. Yep. Sitting in a very nice retail center. You wouldn't expect it. So it's, oh, yeah. it's everywhere. And that's why, you know, we want to support Elijah Rising. So we just want to thank Sam today yeah. for joining the show, the Sign Out Podcast. Thanks and for having me. We'll, we'll definitely in the show notes also put some those what get those websites out there so people can, you know, support this group. And, um, and we appreciate that. Any final words, Sam? No, I, I just am grateful to be here. And, and of course, if you just have any questions, really don't don't mind, like d- feel free to reach out to me. I'm right. happy to answer any specific questions. Right. Even, if, even if you disagree with me, I'm happy to have those phone calls too. <laughs> That's great. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Sam Hernandez and I discuss Elijah Rising and what they are doing in Houston, Texas to end sex trafficking in our community. Please go back and check out their website, ElijahRising.org. You can certainly get plugged in there. Also, go check out their shop, KendalltonFarms.com. You can buy goods directly from them that support their effort to get women off the street and provide a future to these women who have been victims of sex trafficking. Um, just a reminder, 10% of the proceeds of our products at signoutco.com also go to support Elijah Rising, so check us out as well. I want to say thank you to Caleb J. Murphy for the audio production and original music he created for Sign Out. You can check out more of his music at calebjmurphy.com. And thanks for listening. <laughs>